Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. With over 220 episodes of the Practice Podcast under my belt, I keep finding new people that I want to know. And this opportunity to record a conversation cannot be missed. One of whom is business advisor, London-based business advisor, David Mansfield. I learned about him through John Higgs, who was another episode who lives in the island of Guernsey. So you can see my podcast center of gravity is shifting across the pond. <laughs> and uh, who knows, it'll take me all the way back to some other part of the States or maybe down the street. That's the fun of this. I discover interesting people. We talk and you get the benefit of hearing what practice sounds like in their voices and in my admiration. So here is a very deeply experienced business advisor, consultant, David Mansfield. Well, folks, this is um, the former Dave Fearon. <laughs> I don't sound like myself, but I told David Mansfield, with whom I'm having this conversation, that I've been waiting so long to have a second chance to become acquainted with him that I wasn't going to postpone this. However, David, if after a while you get sick of me sounding like a broken down movie star or something like that, then just give me the cut sign and we'll try it another time. <clears throat> but um, I, I think that uh, this the moment that I'm having right now brings up uh, uh, something about the nature of practice, which is, which is the question of this podcast series. And that is that if we're going to do what we love doing the most, we've got to have our health. We've got to have, uh, that energy supply inside of us pumping away uh, at the right moments. And when my health was impaired with COVID a few weeks ago and my energy supply went down to zero, I couldn't even think, think of playing golf, let alone have these episodes. So, yes, I'm back. <laughs> but um, what do you think about that notion of having the energy when you on call when you most need it yeah and uh yeah dave um it's like uh i'm trying to remember the movie i think it was wandering star wasn't it hank marvin right he got a voice a voice like yours okay. yeah yeah that's, that's you just remind you just took me back there i don't know how many years ago that was but you just took me back there yeah i think the whole energy thing is a very interesting question actually because um I was reading something the other day, I can't remember who it was, but it was really sort of saying, you know, obviously energy is an important resource and, and so and you've only got so much of it, so you've got to work out how you use it, you know, 
it's a bit sort of like conserving it and then uh making sure that when you need it you can apply it and uh i remember i was on a on a uh a, 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 a sort of training thing um a few months ago and the, the lady was talking about uh burnout right and she was just sort of saying that you know there's too much of it around and um people often point to banks and stuff and go they, you know, they just don't care they just work people too hard and you know you just can't keep doing that and she was talking about burnout and talking about the preservation of energy and how you can harness it and she talked about lions which was sort of like pretty pretty strange but then she sort of you know she made the analogy work where she was saying if you look at lions right they they just sort of lie around all day in the sun they don't do anything right until they need to do something and then when they need to do something they really do go for it right? so when they need to go out on a kill it's a diff you get a different lion right and basically their energy is all then focused completely on getting dinner home you know um yeah i think it's a, you know it's a good thing really to sort of think well if i've got a if I've got a lot on, if I've got this or anything else, what do I need to do here? You know, what what what, what do I need to do? And I, I think as you get older, certainly as far as I'm concerned, you know, I know I know my energy pretty well and I know that it's good in the morning and it's not so good in the afternoon. So, you know, th that's when I have a sleep, right? For 20 minutes in the afternoon because it works for me, right? So that's my sort of lion moment, you know? I, I, I think yeah, lying under the, under the tree in the... Uh the boiling african sun but but uh i've noticed the same with with our cat billy i mean she's 21 now so she's doing a lot of sleeping yeah yeah but but you know with the slightest provocation she can be up on her feet and ready to to rumble yeah. uh and uh but i've been thinking a lot about the kind of energy you're just describing in part because uh there was so much written and said during the pandemic and afterwards about burnout and about people feeling malaise and just not um, feeling engaged. And so I, to me, that was an abstraction until actually in the last few weeks, I've had to feel that way and I hate it. Uh, so now I have a lot more empathy uh for, for people in in the workforce uh let's let folks know more about you okay what would you like what would you like folks to know well can you remember when we first connected i believe it was through john hibbs yeah 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 it was yeah and he had said to me hey dave after we did a recording he yeah. said i love i think you'd enjoy talking with david david mansfield and uh and I did. We had a nice chat. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things I recall is that you were still uh, making yourself available as a uh, an advisor, a board member, consultant yeah, yeah. Uh, to various uh, businesses and I assume non-governmental uh, businesses. Uh, and why? I mean, when you could be strolling the streets of london completely without obligations yeah well that's true but i can do both i can i can i can do some interesting stuff and still stroll the streets i do quite a lot of that but yeah i know it's a good it's a good question actually dave and you know i'm 70 next birthday and um you know increasingly my friends uh you know they're not, they're not sort of doing working working stuff like i do really um and no. 
you know, that's not a bad thing. Um, um, just just earlier before the call, a, a, a friend of mine who plays the guitar, he's with his guitar teacher playing in a local pub down the road, you know, sort of impromptu thing, just said, come over. And I said, well, I've got a gig of my own tonight, actually. You know, I'm I'm on stage in America tonight, so I can't do it, right? So here I am. There um, you go. But I I think it's a, it's a, you know, we're all different, aren't we? And uh, I'm... I love really, I love uh, business. So that, that's what I like doing. And I like problem solving and I like meeting people and stuff. And that all sort of works for me, really. So I, uh, m- my last sort of full time executive role was, um, you know, nearly 20 years ago now. Um, and the reason that I didn't ever take another one was that the job I had at the time was so much fun. I couldn't imagine doing anything that was, was anywhere near as good. So I was running a big group of radio stations and the biggest one in the UK. I was very fortunate and, you know, it really played to everything I liked. So on one hand, I had the juxtaposition of, well, I had the juxtaposition of, of music and, and creativity and events and stuff, you know, it was amazing. Um, I had all that, but also it was a very commercial organization. It was uh, on the London Stock Exchange. So it had a lot of responsibilities, uh, all the big names of shareholders, you know, Fidelity and all the usual suspects and stuff. So I used to sort of move between the city of London, if you like, presenting the forecasts and the results, you know, and they weren't always good, of course, um, uh, with you know, the talent and the entertainment and the creativity, you know, and the, the talent didn't, you know, the, most of the people who worked in the company it did, didn't care anything about the finances. But that wasn't why they were there, right? The, the no. guys in the sales department did. The guys in sales <laughs> did, you know, because they were sales guys, right? But everybody guys. else, everybody else. And I, I used to sit at board meetings sometimes and we used to invite, you know, the, the sort of head of particular departments to come to the board meetings. And it, I used to find it sort of slightly embarrassing because they'd always stand there and go, I just love my job so much. I, I, I do it for nothing, you know, and you could see the board members thinking, well, maybe that's an option, you know, jotting <laughs> down, na- jotting down names on their pads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who was that guy where we can save some money? Uh, they never did that, of course, but no, um, but I, but I, when I stopped working at, at Capital Radio 20 years ago, uh, I basically, you know, I did a lot of different things and I got involved in venture capital. I got involved chairing some other boards. Um, I got involved in investing early stage companies. Um, I was very fortunate. People who knew me said, look, if you're not too busy, could you, could you come and help out? You know, could you, could you come and give us a bit of advice and stuff? And so I, I basically, you know, I, I, I sort of worked my way into all of that, really. And people sort of say to me, well, you know, what a great portfolio career you've built. And, uh, you know, as if there was a strategy there. And, of course, it's not an unreasonable thing to think there was, but it wasn't really. I, You know, I did lots of things I didn't enjoy very much, but I sort of had to do them to realize I didn't enjoy them. You know, I was very guilty, Dave, of, of taking on things because they sounded quite prestigious. So they came with quite a lot of money, you know, like a good day rate. and 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 I used to love the thrill of the chase. So I'd, I'd go along and convince them that I was the sort of advisor, strategist, consultant and stuff, you know, and not, not obviously to mislead them, but, you know, to do a sales pitch, really. And and then I'd start working with them and I'd be on the Northern Line tube, you know, at seven, at seven o'clock in the evening, standing there thinking, why did I agree to this? I didn't have yeah. to do that. Back to your point, you know, what was I doing it for, really? So over the last 20 years, I have become 
you know, a little bit more discerning, a little bit more careful about what I do. And I think now, and it's taken a long time, but I can I can safely say I can look at my calendar and there isn't anything that I regret. You know, there isn't anything that I think I don't have a single meeting where I think, why did I sign up to that? I'm only doing things that I really want to do. And it's taken me many years to get to that, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy with it, you know. Wow. You know, I think you've just you described the goal of many, many uh, business leader executives uh, in, in various stages of their career, uh, getting to into their fifties, which seems to be a, a place where a lot of people reassess. Yeah, that's <laughs> so where I was. I was. They thinking. got the kids in school. Yeah. They've got a few things settled. Yeah. Now, and then they say, just what you said, I would love the day I can look at my calendar and see nothing on there I don't want to do. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you want to play on every box on your calendar. It just means that you want to be with people doing things that matter to them and to you. Yeah. yeah. And you'll get the feed, the feedback and the pleasure out of that. And maybe, what do you say in, in great, and maybe a bob or two. <laughs> maybe a bob or two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah old, old currency, yeah. But that took a lot of winnowing, didn't it? And a lot of self-awareness on your part over the months and months when, as you said, every part of you loves business. What's business but the hunt, you know, back to our friend under the, under the tree. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sensing that something's coming that you really want and as, as a whole business, and you're going to be the first to get it and, and get the benefit from it. So that, that whole inclination to want to be competitive in the best sense of it you have to kind of balance out against what you just said, which is figuring out how to say no. <laughs> yeah. But you, you also, get, you got to put the energy into it too. You know, I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's understandable. Uh, you know, quite a lot of people that I know that have had, you know, quite sort of stellar careers, you know, and then they finished sometimes quite suddenly because often they do, right. Often they do, you know, uh, and, uh, and, you know, you see people who can be a little bit over proud, you know, sort of like, well, I'm not going to go looking, you know, everyone knows who I am. And, and they sort of show up at headhunters and sort of go, hey, you know, it's your lucky day. I'm available now. Yeah, you know, here I am. Here I am. And I've decided to pick you as my headhunter. So you can go and get me a job. And, and they find out quite quickly that's not how it works. You know, um, the headhunters doesn't work for them. It works for the client. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, end up, you know, quite hurt in those situations because the world doesn't beat the path to their door. And, you know, their their previous track record, you know, it's never going to go away. But if you want to, you know, get something that that might appeal or really work, you've got to go out and find it. You've got to go and hunt it down, as you say, you know, and, yeah. and you have to you have to want to go and do that. And I've got quite a few friends, not so much now, but, you know, when they were in their late 50s and perhaps their big career moment finished and they needed to go and get something else, it was almost like they were sort of too proud, you know um to go and do that and it didn't always land well because you know they, they, they didn't end up with anything really that you know and they got years ahead of them you know sort of they land laterally it may be a different company a similar title but it's not the same and, and then you know well maybe i've got to 
look around a little bit more. In the meantime, I'll make a living doing this. Next thing they know, they're 65. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how the hell did that happen? And and I think, again, back to my own uh, new hum humility regarding uh, managing my my time and energy. I I would dread the idea of finding out after a period of years that I was just going through the motions. And yet, you know, the paycheck cleared and, and all the rest. And my guess, David, is that there's tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of pe people in each country who reached that sort of a peak fairly early you know in that sense this is the, this is the best i'll ever be now but you didn't say that you said i just didn't think i'd ever enjoy anything more than when yeah. i was leading capital radio yeah in a, in a you know the, uh, and i think part of that was you know some of the some of the things that did happen where people sort of came along and said you know would you be interested in this job and that job and everything and and I thought, you know, I just couldn't really do them because I couldn't imagine doing them in the same way. So I, so I decided to go down a different road. Uh, that was what I did, really. So I decided to never to, to not have a full time job. I didn't sort of rule it out at the time. I just sort of thought, well, I can't really see anything at the moment. I need to take some space out. I find it really quite difficult, actually. You know, transitioning from a sort of high profile job and you know, Capital Radio. I mean it always punched above its weight you know i got invited to i went to buckingham palace i met a queen of you know and all that sort of stuff and you know prime ministers and we you know sat next to beyonce at some concerts that we organized i mean it's all sort of crazy stuff really but when you looked at it all you sort of think well i can't imagine that you know this newspaper group a media group have offered me a great role you know but i sort of think it's not going to be like that you know really i'm just going to sit there thinking well it's not quite as good you know so i need to go and do something different but it's about serendipity really i'm a big believer in serendipity right if you if you want to you've got to create the chance for good luck right it doesn't like come that. to you you've got to create the chance but so you need to go out and meet people and 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 sometimes it's very easy not to meet people because you go well it's Monday night. I'm tired. I, I said yes to this event and I'm not going to go. Right. And then when you, but you do go because you sort of committed to it and your friend is there and you turn up and you meet somebody that you never thought you'd meet and they offer an opportunity or you meet them again and they introduce you to somebody else like us. Right. So the serendipitous moments uh, are really important and, and people don't recognize them. And I get people come to me as part of my sort of advisory business and say, you know, uh, how do you build a network? You know, how do you how do you do that? I mean, and they think understandably, particularly people who work in, you know, finance, for example, accountants, you know, it doesn't, oh, yeah. doesn't come naturally to a lot of them. And, and they're quite frightened of it. And they they end up in a dilemma where, you know, in order to get promoted, become a partner and, and, and earn a load more money and everything, you know, they've got to build a book of business, which means they've got to have a network, which means they've got to be able to present their opportunities and tell people why they should hire them. And a lot of them find that really difficult because, you know, that wasn't why they were hired. And now they're in that sort of dilemma. And that's when I sort of step in, really. And, and they think that networking is all about standing in a room full of strangers, eating a cold sausage and drinking warm. Yeah, shaking hands and here's my card, you know. Yeah, yeah they, they think it's like that. And I mean, it can be like that. And actually, you can do some good stuff at those things, too. But I never talk to anybody about that other than to say, don't do it because people are frightened of it. I talk to people, I said, well, you know, you have a network already. You just don't think about them like that, right? Your network is the people you already know. 
you know. That's right. The thing is that those people will introduce you to other people, you know, if you you just get your story right and just talk about it, you know. That's right. And and get out there. And, yeah, it may not feel like the most natural thing to do sometimes, or you might have said yes to that party and then wish you hadn't because you've been working late. But, you know, what was it Woody Allen said? You know, 80% of success is just turning up, right? So... And it's it's very true. It's very true. And I think if you look at, you know, I've I've worked for I've got a list of them somewhere on my computer. You know, I don't know sixty or seventy companies I worked for the last few years. And you know, I would say a big percentage of them were an introduction from an introduction. You know, or somebody I bumped into a guy. This sounds a bit creepy, but it isn't really. But I bumped into a guy. You know, in the sort of jacuzzi, uh, the steam room at my local gym, right? And he was just sitting there, and we just chatted, and I ended up meeting his business partner who got a cake business right <laughs> i mean just sort of crazy and they said yeah well we're, we're good at cakes but we don't know how to put a plan together and we sort of feel now it's quite serious and you know we're we're in reach of turning over quite a lot of money and we just need a bit of commercial advice could you you know and that that just came out from a guy i met at my gym right and i meet people on planes sometimes and whatever i i don't want i don't want your listeners to think that i'm one of those boring people that just insists on talking to everybody but you know, I, I've met people in all sorts of random places, um, and it just leads to, you know, occasionally, not all the time, of course, but it leads to opportunities and chances and new friendships, you know, which is great. Is there anything, there's nothing, nothing better in this world in the long run, uh, not only having the calendar that says, you're going to have a really good day today, David mm-hmm. Mansfield, but also uh, the next thing you look up from your calendar there's a text message and uh, uh the guy says hey i i'm sorry you could come to the pub tonight to hear to hear me play uh, talking to that silly american but uh there was a guy here who was asking for you right isn't that how it goes yeah and he, he'd heard that you'd helped out a friend to his square away a business that was just at a critical stage of scaling and uh, he said you did a great job. So I just wanted to pass that along and let you know that I gave him uh, your contact information. Now I'm imagining that, but it sounds to me that's a fairly normal occurrence, no, occurrence for you. It's very, it's very normal occurrence. Uh, uh, you know, it's feast or famine. I had uh, in one, and this is very unusual, but I had four in one week. Uh, there was a lady who was being promoted chief executive of a, a, a sort of a, a, quite a big uh, communications company, and someone had recommended me. And then the guy worked for the world's largest private jet company. Right, that's interesting. And he came along and said, "I need some personal coaching. I want to be able to get up to the next stage." And and I knew a couple more as well, you know. So, wow. uh, and then. You know, nothing may may happen for some time, you know, and then things happen again. So, and I've, you know, I, uh, I've got uh, colleagues who work in the advisory and coaching business and, you know, the some in particular who sort of do what we've just been talking about. You know, I don't think they've ever really in the last couple of years done any serious prospecting because it comes to them because, you know, recommendations. And it's a bit like going back to talking about networking you know uh, we there's a business that i was involved in we sold it to private equity you know it was um it, it went really well and if you ask the global sort of sales chief uh, it's a business to business education tech company you know how what was the success based on you know how do you generate sales you know 
and he said, well, it was um, it was tough, but I mean, we were we were running that company in the UK, and we decided that um, America was really where we needed to be because we needed to get scale there and and stuff. And uh, we got a couple of big landed a couple of big clients in the UK like Unilever, and we decided that was a good calling card to go somewhere else. Right, we've got global company now, so let's go out to America. So Johnny, he'd never, I think he'd never been to New York. Right, he went to New York. He took. He took, a, he took an apartment in Harlem because it was really cheap. And then he realized why it was really cheap. And he's quite a tough guy from Yorkshire, but even he found it was a bit challenging getting from the subway to his front door. So he moved to Brooklyn and, um, and he didn't know anybody. And we had a company that no one had ever heard of with a product they didn't know they needed. And so, um, now so that's had, a challenge right there. Yeah. Company, so no one's so heard of and a product that nobody knew they needed. Now yeah. there is a business challenge for you There's right there. That's a business challenge, right? So, so what did what did Johnny do? So he didn't know anyone in in, in uh, Manhattan or anywhere. So he went to his companies, his network in the UK, and he said, "Look, I want to get into Walgreens, but I don't know anybody there." And the guy he was speaking to in the UK said, "Well, I don't know anybody either, but I've got a contact in New York, and you know, at this ad agency, maybe you'd better help." And so uh, he. Yeah, I'll introduce you. So the guy in New York says, yeah, hi, Johnny, how are you doing? He says, yeah, fine, thank you very much. You know, I, I want to try and get to this guy at Walgreens. Yeah, no, sorry, that's not me, but I do know somebody who uh, works on that account, yeah? So let me have a word and I'll get it done. And that was how we built the business in America. And, and of course, now it's the biggest part of the company and we sold it to private equity, you know, and it's a, you know, it wasn't a fairy tale story, but that was how we built it through recommendations of people he already knew in his network. And if you asked him about sales, he said, that is sales. You don't, no cold emails, no ma mailings, no anything else, just who you know. That's all you need to do. Now, this is a terribly unfair question, <clears throat> so I'll ask it. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that once people hear your story, hear your story. Now, what is it, uh, let's say, about Johnny that made someone want to open up, you know, the gate that's tightly closed? Uh, what is it in, in that they sense in a person that makes them at least curious to know them uh, better? Yeah, well, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a few stages there, right? So let's, let's say that I'm Johnny and you're Dave, right? And uh, you know me and... And I go, I, 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 I can see on LinkedIn, for example, that you know this guy over here, and I don't know, yes. him, but you know him, right? Yes. And this happens to me, and I'm, and I, because I'm quite open about all that, and, and I might go, well, actually, I'm connected to that guy on LinkedIn, but I don't really know him. You know, he just sort of popped up, and I said yes, but yeah, let's Sorry. give it a go. Let's give it a go because he's on LinkedIn. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? So yeah. I'll go. I go, yeah, sure. Oh, hi, uh, so and so. You know, um, I want to introduce you to my friend Johnny. He's got this, this, this. I leave you guys, two guys to get on with it, right? So Johnny then has to have his his sort of pitch, yeah. But yes. uh, you know, he he always had a he always had a good a good pitch, and um, you know, we found when we were presenting that business that you know because it was a training business, we got shunted into the um, training departments, leadership development departments, and the HR departments. And to be honest. They, you know, I'm sure they were great people, but they weren't great for us. And they, they always went two things. Uh, it was either we're already doing it, which they weren't, but they thought they were, or we haven't got a budget. 
Uh, I've heard them all. I uh, had, I've heard it. I've had yeah, friend, uh, friends who try so to get it. What they're really saying is, um, we don't want anyone to come in and outshine us. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, middle management is a difficult place to be, right? Uh, but what was interesting was that when we used our network in a different way around, so we we would go to the more senior person and you get hold of the CEO and say, right, uh, we're, a, we're a company that specializes in digital marketing and this is what we do and this is who we work for. And they go, yeah, we need, we need this. We need this. My board needs this. They don't understand this stuff. Uh, have you got something you can demo? And we got um, Paul Polman, who was the CEO of Unilever at the time, um, to, to do the training modules when his HR department and leadership department had said, no, we don't need it. Right. But wow. We, we got around them and, and got in front of him and, uh, and stuff. And we used to have some good lines, like people would go, yeah, no, I think we know this stuff. And we go, yeah, what's the difference between the internet and the World Wide Web? And they go, yeah, I don't really know the answer to that. I go, well, you need us, you know. So you got, you, you got me on that one. <laughs> no, you know, I can't remember the answer either. <laughs> but, no, but that, but that that is. Um, I, I tried in all the years I was teaching in a business school. Yeah, to try to get these these um, promising young people to understand that largely it's their character 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 yeah and what they believe about their own character and what they want to grow and develop as the kind of person anyone want to hire would want to buy from would at least want to listen to while they're giving a pitch i said that's what you got to work on the rest is techniques tools there's all kinds of help out there but if you have no clear sense of your own purpose and wanting to be, be in, in business of any sort, it's going to register. You, you, you do not want to be on a network that picks up all your negatives. <laughs> and it will. They'll say, oh, yeah, Joe, Joe, you know, kind of a dud. That's horrible, but it's true. So... How did I do in that? I think I did pretty well. I think I reached quite a few students that way. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you are looking ahead to uh, more serendipity, David, mm -hmm. uh, what would be most delightful if it came around the corner tomorrow and waved? What what kind of experience? advisory kind of experience would you truly enjoy uh yeah well i mean i uh, the answer to that question is quite a live one actually um because um i did a sort of business course uh, a couple of years ago and i really enjoyed it and i'm i'm a sort of as i said earlier i'm quite obsessive on sort of business you know i, I love to read stories in the Financial Times or whatever it happens to be and, and wonder about how these things happened, right? And having sat around so many boards and been part of so many terrible decisions, you know, <laughs> I, which is true, it's true. You know, I mean, yeah. some good ones, some good ones too, but lots of bad ones. And I, I wonder how groups of really smart people can make such terrible mistakes. You know, how do they end up investing in Theranos, for example? You know, how do, how do all those really smart, famous, rich people end up 
making such a terrible decision uh, or, or into Madoff's Ponzi scheme or Wirecard or, or Enron or, you know, all that stuff, right? All those sort of smart people. And you 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 sort of wonder how it happens. And um, increasing, and when I did my business course, I decided that I was going to get more involved in the sort of, because I could study to some extent what I wanted. So I started to study the sort of psychology of this really and thinking about, well, I've been in those rooms. What was really going on there? You know, how... How did it happen? And, and of course, you know, you when you read the academic papers about this stuff, you you realise it's to do with, with Daniel Kahneman writes about heuristics, you know, so, uh, um, thinking one, thinking two, about how we judge things without taking evidence because mm-hmm. I, we can't take evidence on everything because we've gone overload. But those sort of initial reactions when you hire somebody and they turn out to be bad because you liked them after thirty seconds, right? And you. You didn't realize that was what was going on. So I, I got interested in all of that, uh, in, in the sort of psychology of it and everything. And I wrote some stuff about it and started writing things. Um, and then I, uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll explore doing a PhD in, in, uh, sort of decision making, right? Uh, you know, how do people make crazy decisions? And I don't, I, I got chucked out of school when I was 16. So I, I don't have anything to write on an application form for a university. I have nothing at all and I made it quite difficult because everyone wants you to do it online and if you've got nothing to write in the blank spaces you know you you need to speak to somebody so anyway long story short um uh i'm currently uh doing a master's in strategic decision making and uh, today i've been working with my supervisor about uh the research project which is the big bit at the end obviously you know so and i talked to a company um Today, the CEO and the thing that I can do that other people seem to struggle with is that, you know, I can get inside an organization and get a real project going and research it because I've got a lot of contacts and people will trust me to, to do that. Um, and people are quite excited about that. So, um, but yesterday I went, um, to a different, so I'm doing the masters in strategic decision making in, uh, process. Uh, in terms of how people make decisions. But yesterday I went for the final interview, a panel interview, a business school uh, university um, to do the PhD. So I'm waiting. So to answer your question, what comes around the corner, I'm waiting uh, to find out what comes around the corner. But I'm hoping that because the master's finishes at the end of September and the PhD starts at the end of September. So I've got to sort of, and one will link in with the other, although they're not, I don't need one to do the other, but so what I'm so to answer your question uh, in some regard, because I got asked it yesterday, why are you doing this? You know, what's the no one asked me why I was doing it at seventy, but yeah, I think that was a little bit behind it. That you know, was in parentheses. It was there, yeah, yeah, but they were too polite, and you're not allowed to ask those questions these days anyway. You know, so uh, so I said um, they said, what do you want at the end of it? And I said, well, you know, what I want at the end of it actually is the sort of authority that goes with it. I want to be able to have the expertise. I want people to take me seriously as a decision-making expert, if you like, you know? Sure. Um, so I want to be able to do a business school piece and I want to do advisory piece. And um, But actually, the reason that I'm doing it is because I'm interested in it. That's why I'm doing it. I'm not really doing it for anything else. I'm doing it because I like it. And, you know, what they really wanted to know was because it's a it's a degree which is aimed at business people who are working. Right. So the average age is like in their 40s. Um, oh, yeah. 
Um, but I, I know people obviously got big commitments with work and kids and stuff. So a big part of the due diligence from the business school is to make sure these people find the time and the energy back to energy and the yep. resource to do it. Well, of course, you know, I don't have any kids at home and I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So I've got the time and I had to convince them really, I suppose that I had the commitment to it, you know, um, I, I can tell you it's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to be in that program. Yeah. And I can tell you why my thinking, not just about you, but about the field, uh, what's happening out there is that um, they've gone so conventional for so many decades, fill in these blanks. If the man doesn't have a baccalaureate, we can't look at him for a master's. If we can't, you know, all of those screens. Yeah, that we'll put up, put up there in the name of rigor. What we've learned humbly in higher learning, higher education, is that we're screening out some of the most highly promising, best thinkers, thought leaders that we the world needs. Yeah, yeah, and they need them now. So the complaints that were coming from the hiring people back to these masters and even the doctoral program says, hey, um, when did you guys become a cookie cutter? Because we're getting the same words and the same manners uh, no matter who we hire. And then along comes someone like you who's earned in many, many ways all the reasons in the world to be taken seriously about effective decision-making. And they say, this is a win. This is a win because within a few, well, maybe several years, you'll still have plenty of vitality and you'll have the doctorate and you'll be giving their school a really good name, which is what they need. Everyone needs that now. Even the in your country, the Oxfords and the Cambridges, they can't just do it with 5,000 years of history anymore. They got to know what are our graduates achieving out there that raises our stock in the world. Oh, sorry about the long speech. And so what do you think of that? My answer to you is you're going to get into that program. Yeah, I'll be disappointed if I don't, but I, 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 I I'm not, you know, uh, it was a good, it was a good, um, it was a good, it was a good meeting. Uh, as far as I could tell, you know, I mean, they'd had a lot of information, right? So they'd had a three thousand word application form, uh, and I had to give them a presentation off a deck uh, to answer the sort of questions they had about everything, you know. So, I mean, I, I, it, it was very, it was very simple in the end, and it's a passion for me, and I, I, you know, I, I think um, you're something that, you're, that everyone will be familiar with. So, you know, when people are making decisions in business, they. They tend to generally is a bit gross generalization, but people tend to sort of start out in the same way, which is that they 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 start up with a very rational, evidence based approach, right? So we want to acquire this company, we want to hire this guy, we want to invest in this project or whatever. Right? So it involves you know it involves quite a lot of capital. Money is going to get spent somewhere, right? So so therefore we need to evidence that. So this is what we're going to do. We're evidence based here. We're evidence based. We're facts. We've got analysts and everything else, right? Um, so that's how the processes start out, right? but quite often they don't end up like that. Because right? mm -hmm. what happens along the way are the things that you just mentioned, really. So, you know, you have um, heuristics, you have, 
you have bias, you have noise, you have the abuse of evidence, you have politics, you have power, right? a lot of things happen. So, and I've seen this a lot, you know, so, so what starts out with the best intentions, actually, by the time you get to the other end of the, of the process, a lot of that stuff's been forgotten, or the evidence has been cherry picked, or the, the last story is the one that sticks, or people have got anchored in the wrong numbers. Right? And, and at the end, the chief executive, everyone's sort of looking, and he's going, well, actually, this is very complex. This is very noisy. Uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what my gut tells me. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, my intuition tells me that I'm, that we should be doing this. And that's perfectly acceptable in business, right? Because that sort of intuition is a sort of proxy for judgment and experience. And, and so they, they often ignore, you know, what was originally on the table and they make a decision based on intuition. And, that's why they go wrong, because a lot of it fails, and it it fails for those for those reasons. But it's not fact based anymore. I don't mean it should be exclusively fact based. I don't mean that people shouldn't bring the experience right. But if you're going to make a decision on intuition, it needs to be informed intuition. Right? Yes, to, I agree. And you need to have. You see, I mean, it's the same in America, right? So you have. Um, in medical science, you know, no drug gets to market without it being independently peer group reviewed, right? It just wouldn't happen. Okay. So it has to be looked at by people who have no commercial interest or any interest in the success of it. Right? That's right. In order, in order for it to, to, to be safe and, um, uh, and put into the marketplace. But in a deal situation, all you have is the, the executive, you don't have any peer group reviews, you don't have anything independent. In fact, you have the opposite, right? Because you have bankers, lawyers, accountants, corporate finance people, corporate communications people, all sitting around the table with their nose in the trough, right? They, they, they just want to get done. That's how they get paid. They, I, I've never sat in a room where a corporate finance guy has told me that the deal is a bad deal, don't do it. You know, not ever. So... So you can see how these things go wrong. So my my thesis uh, that I presented yesterday was really, well, we're starting out over here, but quite often we're ending up over here. So what is the role of intuition in that process? When does it stop being a rational deal and when does it start to be an intuitive one? I bet you there, I bet you there was some, some real interest in that. Yeah, yeah, the, the, there is because it, because there's a lot, obviously there's an awful lot of stuff you've been written about intuition. Uh, uh, of course, there has, but actually, there's very little stuff written about deal process. Okay, that's right. Lots of bits written about the uh, the inputs of bias and evidence and all the other stuff. You can, I mean, I've read a lot of it. You know, you can go and read about all those constituent parts, but there isn't. There isn't in the world a best process for making a decision about a deal. There isn't. There isn't anyone to go to, and people do it ad hoc because that's all it is. And making a decision based on intuition in business is perfectly acceptable. Yeah. And so the reason that I quite like that is it's a bit of a Trojan horse for me because if I go along to a CEO and say, I'd like to talk to you about bias and heuristics in your decision-making process, they go a bit busy. You know, I haven't got time. We, we <laughs> oh don't, my we God, don't, look at look at the time. Yeah, We don't do that here. But if I went along and said, you know, I bet your intuition is really important in your decision-making process. Could we talk about it? They go, yeah, 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 definitely. Well, I know they do because I've asked them already, right? So, so oh, for me, that's, that's going to be, uh, I've already, 
and I pictured you already finishing your, <laughs> maybe you call it a dissertation, but then there's going to be the book, there's going to be the video series, <laughs> because every CEO would say that to you. Oh, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. Would be interested because the, the Peter Vale, my my partner in all of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. wrote about white water and how we're all all decisions that we're making we're making essentially in the turbulence of change and uh if we don't draw upon all of our human qualities including our instinct and intuition then we're on the rocks yeah uh so so it's a it's a wonderfully challenging time going forward and there's a market or i think a readership if you care to go that route on the other hand, maybe you'll decide, hey, um, this would put too many things on my calendar that I don't look forward to. So maybe I won't do the book and the video series. <laughs> I, like, I like doing books and video series and that sort of stuff. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think, you know, without being sort of boastful about it, I think, if, I think if people have got something to say, it's great that they say it, you know. Um, yes. Yeah, I think it's good to 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 do that, and yeah, yes, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that sort of side of it, really. So um, I'm hoping that if if something, come, if something comes of it, that I mean, the business school, as you rightly point out, because you know you, this is your this is you, right? They're they're interested in having somebody that would be you know that they can point to that has something to say, and they can go, hey, that that came from here, you know. Absolutely, it's been true. From the beginning of my now 60 years in higher education, yeah, yeah, it's always been true. Whether it's on a matter of scale within Connecticut, where I did a lot of my most most recent work, or if it's global, uh, what we want to be able to say is, yeah, she learned with us, and look what she's doing, yeah, as a learner, as an achiever, and that's great work. David. So, uh, thank you for the endorsement for our field that you're willing to put your time and talent and treasure into this uh, next stage. And congratulations on the master's degree. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's uh, you know, for me, it's uncharted territory. The uh, the language of academia, academia has taken me some time. I found when I read my first. The, the professor that's um, sort of guiding me, you know, he sent me uh, a series of academic papers to read and I couldn't open them for about four days because they were too intimidating, you know, I, mean, I didn't understand the language and the words and everything. So I had to, I had to really step out of my comfort zone and, and cross off the weekend and think, right, you know, this is make or break. I've got to understand this stuff and enjoy it or it's not going to happen. Right? So oh, thank, thank you for that. But waiting, <laughs> waiting through our our uh, our weedy material. But uh, I I have to watch the clock now. Uh, I'm so glad that I <clears throat> I know I don't sound great, but you sound wonderful, and you've offered so many uh, gems of insight into what I think all people want to hear. That this will be a very popular episode. So, oh, great. Well, it's been great to be here. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, David Mansfield. Uh, soon to be Dr. David Mansfield. <laughs> Not soon enough. Am I rushing things? Though? Yeah. I, well, I, 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 I like the sound of that. 
So thank you for your confidence. Thank you again very much. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, oh, how could I have forgotten? Our digital book on practice as a way of being is now available. You'll find it online at www.mylibrary.world. I worked on that book after Peter passed away, and I think you will find it a unique and very, very mobile reading experience since it's wherever your screen is in hand or at hand.